Hello everyone and welcome to episode, I think it's episode 33. Um, welcome to an episode of What's Happening in Travel uh, with my buddy. Kushro. And I am Kerwin and today we have a special guest. It's uh, Dr. Yvette McQueen. And she's actually coming to some Atlanta, but she's coming to us live from uh, somewhere in the U.S. Virgin Islands. She's going to tell us about that. So, but you know, to stop me from rambling, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll jump right into it. Hello, everybody. I am Yvette McQueen, MD, an emergency physician and travel doctor, a global physician on a mission to educate about health, travel wellness, and disease prevention. So what I do is I help travelers to stay healthy and safe during their adventures, either through my healthy tips, telemedicine, and I actually have a book out there called Travelpedia. Or my day job, <laughs> which I'm doing now, I'm actually an emergency physician and I travel around the U.S. and Caribbean uh, working in different ERs as basically like a substitute doctor or a fill-in doctor when they need it. Wow, very cool. So um, just before we started, uh, Yvette was saying um, where she is. And we started to ask her a whole bunch of questions. I'm like, we have to hit the record button. So Yvette, tell us where you are. And I know Kushra has a lot of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> so currently, I'm in St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands, as you can see by the decor behind me, because I'm in a, a rental apartment right now. So this is not my normal apartment. Yeah. Uh, so I am down here um, doing shifts in the ER at the hospital at St. Croix. Wow. So how would a hospital um, who was interested in having you come in as a temp or whatever, how would they get in touch with you and how would they know you even exist? So it's in the world of what we call locums tenum or temporary docum locums. And it's in any specialty, whether it's emergency or medicine, they have them in OB, they have an ortho. I have friends across all specialties that do locums. And there's um, staffing agencies and websites. What we do okay. is we upload our CV, you know, for medical term. Regular people, they call it reserve. We call it curriculum vitae. You know, <laughs> medicine likes Latin stuff. <laughs> so we upload our CV and different staff and agencies says, oh, I need an emergency physician for the next three months to fill in for whether it's family leave, maternity leave, whatever. And they, they pick us and they call us and say, are you interested? These are the dates you can work. These are hours you can work. This is the type of facility. This is the pay rate. And we say yes or no and go from there. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that existed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it really is true. You learn something new every day. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so here in, uh, so you're in St. Croix now, um, right? So what are, what, what's it like? I mean, uh, what exactly are you doing for this hospital? If you can tell us. <laughs> yes. So I work in the ER, so I go and do 12 hour shifts. So, you know, whether 7A to 7P or 7P to 7A or 12 noon to midnight, uh, that as far as if you're thinking about doing a pandemic, they, um, they closed down in March like everybody else did to tourists. And then they reopened in June. They reopened in June to tourists. And tourists started to flock in, particularly from the United States. People felt they wanted to, you know, get away. It's close by. It's U.S. territory. Well, the numbers started to increase and they were concerned about that. They also have other things like um, they use a lot of construction and engineers and they have a refinery here. 
So some of the people started to come in and the numbers increased as far as COVID. I remember being working here in June and we had an increase of probably doubled within a week once the right it opened. So uh, the government of the USVI and also St. Thomas, people is considered St. Thomas and their numbers increased more than St. Croix because it's more touristy than St. Croix. So uh, in July, they said, well, everyone that comes to the island needs a COVID-19 test that's negative within 72 hours of landing. That still didn't kind of stop the numbers. So they closed back, they went back to phase one and closed down the uh, tourism. So only essential workers have been able to come on the islands and they won't open up again until next week, or I think this weekend. So I was able to come back because I was a central worker working in the hospital, but that's what's been going on here. And our numbers are um, at St. Croix right now. We have none in the hospital. I don't know about the community, but there's zero in the hospital right now. But have you had any cases in the hospital? Yes, there were cases in the hospital earlier this year. And I want to say the island had either one or two deaths. Um, sense it, which is pretty gotcha. good because they closed down early. Yeah. yeah. So, so in in terms of um, COVID, so people are coming in with with uh, with uh, COVID and infecting locals. Is that what's happening, or no? We don't know. <laughs> well, they they were coming in not knowing they were COVID. I can say, I I don't think anybody would intentionally do it. Say, I have COVID. I'm still going to go vacation. Right. I, I don't think anybody. I don't think so either. So while they were here on the island, they would get sick. And whether it's they um, transmitted to local or they just transmitted to their family members, we don't know. Um, there were a couple nurses that did get it because we had, they had patients and they realized it was COVID. So everyone that comes in the hospital, if we suspect it prior to being seen, they get a COVID test, which we, they can do the rapid test, we get back in an hour. If they get admitted to the hospital, they get a COVID test. We need to know that. But that's around the United States. Anybody that's admitted to the hospital usually gets a COVID test. And because of the healthcare system, you know, they're still recovering from Maria and Irma from three years ago. Trust me. Mm -hmm. And and there are are limited resources. So some people, we might have to uh, evacuate them or fly them off the island. So that was the problem in June. It was getting, if it started to increase, Puerto Rico was like overdated. Florida was overdated. If we had to fly someone off the island, we like, where do we fly them to? Because that's usually the closest places, either Puerto Rico or mm-hmm. Florida. And um, there's a couple of times they had to search around where to send a patient. So that's an issue of where we send a patient wow. if we can handle it here. So, so as part of your, sorry, go and go ahead. No, 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 you go, Krisha. As part of your um, travel um, medical assistance um, career, again, how would people know to get in touch with you? Well, as far well, if you're thinking about the locums, as far as working in an emergency room, uh-huh. like the service I told you about. Yeah, yeah. Now, but let's say husband, a traveler had some questions about, you know, whatever. How would they know to get in touch with you? Oh, okay. So I, um, I Does advertise- that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sorry? Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Yeah. I advertise as a um, medical um, travel consultant or a, med- a travel medicine consultant. 
And that's just through advertisement, word of mouth. Uh, if you Google me okay. on um, you know, the internet, as far as travel medicine, consultation, urgent care. So of course my website, I go under my name for everything Yvette McQueen MD. So my website is YvetteMcQueenMD.com. And you can actually schedule a consultation. So if someone's prior to COVID say, I'm going to Africa and they, you know, wanted a travel medicine consultation, they said, uh, what do I need? What are my immunizations? What do I need to pack? What are good things? I can, uh, the fee for service, I can do a consultation for that. I can give them a consultation where I can research, if they're going somewhere remotely, research like hospitals in case they get sick, hospitals they can go to, what they can do. I'm also available, they can um, get me by email and we set up a Zoom call for telemedicine uh, where, you know, like, oh, I'm here, I ate some street food, I've been throwing up all day, what type of medicine should I get, what should I do, should I go to a hospital? I'm available for that. And so it's uh, basically just my marketing for that as a telemedicine cons uh, uh, consultation. Okay. Also, um, I'm available for travel groups. It started with, um, it really started with my mission group. I, I, I used to live in Jacksonville, Florida, and my church would go to Malawi, East Africa every two years, and I became their mission doctor. So I helped with the group, make sure they were prepared, make sure they had the medicine, take care of them if they got sick during our mission. And I kind of branched out and started working for other travel groups and travel agents. They say, oh, we have a group of 10 senior citizens. They're going you know, to Egypt. Can, and they are requesting the doctor to travel with them. And would you be willing to go and plan this out? Of course, it's like planned like six months out in advance. We're like, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> See, that's cool. So, so, so if anyone gets in touch, it's YvetteMcQueenMD.com, right? Yes, Yvette McQueen, and that is Y-V-E-T-T-E-M-C-Q-U-E-E-N-M-D.com. All right, perfect. And it's so, all one word. Yes. Yeah, all one thing. Okay. So in, in reference to that, Yvette, because um, one of the questions that I had uh, just this morning, actually, um, so every time we travel, so for example, in uh, people here will take uh, Tylenol or Advil or something like that. But when you go to like the UK, there is no Tylenol or Advil. So there's uh, usually you take Panadol. And yep. um, a, a weird, funny story. I, was, I had fever in Berlin a few years ago in March. And it's freezing cold in March in Berlin. And I was staying at a friend of mine. And so I went to him and I said, well, what do you have? He said, oh, I have Panadol. I'm like, oh, okay. Because I'm from Jamaica and we use Panadol there. But the dosage, <laughs> I took two of them. And I was like, oh, because normally I'll take two here. Well, the dosage is 500 milligrams, not 250. Now, that fever went by really quickly. But, you know, I could have something bad could have happened. So is there like a thing where you can say uh, in the U.S. it's this, in, uh, in the U.K. it's this, in Russia it's this, in Mexico it's this? Is there anything like that? No, unfortunately, because medicine changed so quickly, uh, maybe some of the standards, like uh, the acetaminophen, Panadol, things like that. Uh, but no, there's no really conversion. It's basically you have to look it up. Um, uh, actually, that wasn't that you just took two extra strength, which is <laughs> brand, which is okay. Uh, but okay. like you said, I've I've been like in France and had to get some medicine. It's so weird because you got to go to the pharmacist to get like I just needed some cough medicine. But you actually have to have an interview 
with the <laughs> pharmacist that gets some cough medicine in France where we just get it off the counter. So it yeah. is a little bit different. Uh, and, but unfortunately, there's no conversion um, mm -hmm. that other than you probably Googling it and you still may not understand. So that's why we have people like me. I can answer mm -hmm. simple questions like that. That's right, because you, and, and you do the telemedicine thing too, right? So people from all, wherever you are in the world, you can just go on a website and call you and get a consultation. Right, as long as you have Wi-Fi, you can reach me. All right, that's good. I know Krishna is aching to ask a question. <laughs> Am I that obvious? So for someone who's traveling at this time and is unsure you know, whether an aircraft is safe or not, what would you advise them? Like we're hearing so much conflicting and confusing information about whether it's safe to fly or not. And clearly it's getting through because flights are just not as full as airlines would even remotely like them to be. So well, what, that, dep that depends on which airline you're talking about. <laughs> yes, but mostly, I mean, um, around the world. I mean, yeah. almost all international airlines have severely, severely cut back their plans for the rest of the year because the travel is just not materializing like they thought it would. So well, what would you recommend for, let's say, an average tourist wanting to go somewhere for a vacation? Like, what would you recommend the precautions they follow um, while on board the aircraft? Okay. So first of all, um, answer one of your questions, well, it may one of the questions, the statement about the travel. I can speak from the United States. First of all, there's a lot of countries that are not accepting U.S. citizens. So yes. that in itself has half Correct. Correct. <laughs> the tourism by 50% totally. Um, and if they are accepting U.S. citizens, please, I tell people to research in advance before they get there. What are the requirements? And most people are changing week to week, whether it's the restrictions, 14-day quarantine, bringing a COVID negative test, or just not letting us in. Now, if you need to travel, my thing is it still should be, should be only essential travel, particularly if it's international. You know, I know there's companies still sending people, uh, healthcare workers, engineers, people like that, essential workers. So if you need to travel, then fine. If you don't need to travel and this is just a want, my suggestion is just to continue self-sacrifice and hold out. I'm being honest about that. So in the United States, uh, our major carriers, there are some major carriers that are packing them full and I've seen them packed full flights. There are some major carriers that are keeping the middle seat open. Now people are saying that's not six feet distance. No, it's not, but it's about the capacity of the number of people in the plane. So if you have a plane, with 100% capacity versus a plane that's only 50% capacity, that reduces your risk of probably the people being on the plane that actually is positive for COVID. Mm. So my suggestion for flying, which some of these things I was doing pre-COVID anyway, so I kind of wonder, I won't say it, but anyway, things <laughs> <laughs> I was doing pre-COVID. So, um, First of all, TSA in the United States are, are um, basically shielding themselves and requiring that you either have the printed border pass or the mobile border pass, and you actually have to scan it yourself. When you go through the TSA lines, they say compact everything, don't pull your keys out and leave them on the den, things like that, so that it has less contact, compact everything. So they really suggest people to check bags more than actually carry on. 
Uh, in the airport, there is social distancing because the seats are blocked out in the, um, um, the gateways where you can sit and where you can't sit. I suggest people when they get on the plane, some planes are boarding from back to front, which is like, oh my goodness, why didn't you do this before? Um, but if they're not, I suggest either you board first, you know, have a reason to board first or board last so that you're not in the uh, standing in the aisleway waiting for people. I suggest you pick a seat. You can always pick your seat ahead of time. People use the um, airline app or go online, pick your seat one or two days before. And I pick the uh, window because even if people are passing me by, they're not breathing over me. When I get on the plane, I wipe the high contact areas, the armrest, the little button you, you recline back, uh, my seat belt, the window shade, the monitor, uh, anything that I'm gonna touch often. Do you need to wipe down the seat? Pretty much not. Most of the planes are doing thorough cleaning in between. Uh, and the seats, even if you feel like your clothes get contaminated, when you get to your destination, just take your clothes off. I try to tell people to avoid taking their hands and putting them in around their nose and mouth because you have to wear a mask anyway. So right. don't try to adjust your mask. Your mask is required in the airport boarding and on the plane unless you're drinking or eating. And since they're not serving much these days, you shouldn't <laughs> be drinking and eating on the plane, particularly if it's less than two or three hours, I say that. Um, so that's what I particularly do. Now, I know people worry about that recirculated air. So I actually say that air probably is better on the plane than it is in the grocery store. It is. <laughs> because the HEPA filters, recirculating means it's, it's uh, recirculating from the inside to the outside, not in the plane, inside to outside. So every two to four minutes, the air is being exchanged with the outside air. So you get a 50% inside, 50% outside air, and it's mixing, and then it does it again another two to four minutes. So with uh, HEPA filters, uh, people should feel very safe about breathing the air on the airplane. Because um, the reason I was asking, because I saw this report from an MD, um, on, and it was reported on NBC News here in the US about the who came down with COVID and was convinced that he um, somehow absorbed this virus through his eyes. So do, do you believe that? Well, what we call mucous membranes. Right. So mucous membranes are basically the pink area of your skin, like around your mouth, in your nose, in your eyes, and sometimes even in the ears. So if he touched something, or touched someone that had COVID, touched the contact hit and rail, and it had COVID on his fingers, and he immediately touched yeah. his eyes, and you know, rub your eyes, then yes, it's possible. So would you recommend a face shield as opposed to a face mask, which is already mandated? Well, the face, the face mask is mandated. Now the face shield keeps you from splashing. It does not keep you from airborne. So right. this, um, that um, virus is airborne, not that it floats into your eyes, it likes the nose and the mouth more than anything, mostly the nose because you're breathing in the air. I would say not necessarily, but if it's your comfort, that's fine, but you do not wear face shield only. You right. should have the mask additionally to the face shield. Now I wear glasses, I have big glasses, and this is where I wear at work. 
if I think that things are gonna be splashed around, fluids and people coughing in my face, because when they cough and sneeze, that produces, then I will wear yes. a face shield. Um, I did wear, um, if anyone follows me, uh, when I was on, I won't say the airline, I was on a flight in June, it wasn't my favorite airline. It was one of the airlines that was packing the plane, okay? Uh, and I did feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I had my mask, but also in the airport, if you ever been like to the um, island airports, they sometimes have those big industrial fans. Mm -hmm. Those big industrial fans were blowing things all over the place. So I wore a face shield in the airport because of the blowing. And I just kept it on the plane that was like overpacked. Um, that's the one time I did wear a face shield, but this last time I flew, I felt very comfortable in the airport. I was going through Atlanta, Hartsville. Um, I was on, you know, uh, airline that was only 50%. Everybody had their own row. So I felt very comfortable. And usually I don't wear a face shield unless I think things are going to be blowing in my face. Okay. Uh, okay. Also, I don't want to get too technical here, but this is an RNA virus. I'm, exactly. I mean, we're hearing a lot about this. And from what I know about RNA viruses, they are so inherently unstable outside, um, you know, um, the body. And yet we're hearing stories that this virus can survive on inanimate objects like metal or cardboard or whatever for days. And that just doesn't seem, that flies in the face of everything I knew about RNA viruses. Is that true still? That's that's correct. So for those that don't understand, you know, if we have, you, you've always heard about DNA and that's your makeup. So most cells are made, uh, their cell membranes or what keeps the little gooey stuff inside the cells. If you remember biology, the membrane is either DNA or RNA. So viruses are usually what we call RNA in their membranes. And he, like he said, they're unstable. So that's when they say wash your hands frequently because regular soap and water will destroy the membrane. It'll kill the virus, really. So it is interesting that they can, uh, I know they say metal up until I think 24, 36 hours. Uh, cardboard, they, they used to say 12 hours, but I think they reduced it to four hours. Anything soft, like mm -hmm. cardboard, clothes, towels, things like that, it's like four to six hours. But if it's a hard surface, they think in 12 to 24 hours, it stays on the environment. And I don't know why either. Um, that's what's so curious about this. You got to remember, this is a new virus. I tell people, this virus was discovered in December. So if you think of a newborn baby, and this is why things have changed over the year. This is a newborn baby. So this baby is only nine months old. You know how how a baby changes every month you know you take those pictures and baby changes and now they're googling now they're walking and now they're doing this this baby is nine months old so we're still discovering what this new virus is doing so i don't know i, I don't understand that either okay that's interesting um, i mean yes it needs to be aerosolized or have some sort of nutrient medium but um, that's the one thing that always confused me. I mean, because that makes everything suspect, everything. You well, that might be too, that the whatever surface is sticking to may not be clean. And maybe it's sticking to something else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the only good thing that it's, that it's made us do, in a, and I'm like you, but I, I always clean stuff anyway. I, I, I'm not a German before, but I'm Jamaican, so I like clean stuff. It's just, it's just how I was brought up. I wipe everything down. 
Uh, I used to be the guy who takes paper and I'd wipe my window because people left the hair and stuff that's still on the window from the previous person, which really irritates me. Um, so I think, you know, if there's anything that comes out of this is that we're a little more cleaner. And hopefully, once this is, once the virus is, you know, like subsided or something or whatever the right term is for that, um, people will continue. We'll continue getting clean airplanes. We'll continue getting clean airports because some of those airports were nasty. Those TSA bins are still nasty, you know. But um, yeah. sp speaking of the whole uh, sitting on surfaces, I, I asked another doctor friend of ours, a mutual friend of Yvette and myself, about this. Um, renting a car. Um, when you, is it okay for me to rent a car? I mean, what about the air condition? If the last person in there was quote unquote, uh, infected, um, how does that affect me when I turn the air conditioner? That's an interesting concept. I was just telling people to, you know, wipe down, of course, the regular surface for the car, but you're right. The air conditioner, I never thought of that because the, uh, the cars don't have half a filter. So, mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> Because I wanted to rent a car, but I'm like, I need a car that nobody has been in for a few days. <laughs> well, that's a that's interesting. So you can um, always talk to, instead of just doing the quick, you can talk to people at the counters and tell them, I want a car that has been uh, sanitized and clean and no one's rented for, like you said, um, a few days. I know with, I went, wanted to take my car in for my oil change and I was concerned about, well, the person that goes in um, and cleans it and they're driving it, but all the auto repair people, have, they have the, um, the spray steam, whatever, the sanitize, and yeah. they, tell you they, they thoroughly sanitize the car after um, people have been in it. So, so that's good. That's yeah, I know with Airbnb, Airbnb came out that there has to be a 24-hour um, um, delay and turnaround of your guest. So they did come out with that. Now, if people are buying by, I hope they are because it's not that many people rent Airbnbs, but um, that's what it's that meant. And I know that I've seen a friend of mine, he just rented a cottage up in Canada. And the note that they left was that um, when you're leaving, you should leave all the windows open. Ah. Yeah. So, that, okay. which is interesting there. Uh, what, what, what else you got, Kush? I know you have more questions. So um, <laughs> I know this whole mask situation has been completely politicized by a certain section of morons in this country. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. <laughs> but what sort of common sense approach would you suggest for travelers? Because it really seems shocking to say this, but common sense eludes most people especially travelers. What sort of recommendations would you give them that they should carry out, you know, before and during and maybe a little after their trip? Well, as far Is that as... too broad a question? No, I, I kind of get it. So um, one thing that I always tell people is, even pre-COVID, um, if you're traveling, um, it puts stress on your body and your immune system. So the main thing is to have a good immune system to fight something off. Because believe it or not, all of us have been exposed to some coronavirus. This is just a different one. 
coronavirus is the type of virus that have cold. So believe it or not, in our bodies, they've seen that what we call uh, memory cells or T cells. Part of your immune system is the T cells. And those memory cells are like, if you've been exposed to something and you make antibodies to a virus and they eat it up and it's gone. So when you're exposed to it again, those memory cells say, hey, I remember that one. Let's like get it early so it really doesn't affect our host. So they've noticed then that some of us do have coronavirus, not so much COVID, but coronavirus memory cells that is helping our immune system. Keep, by keeping your immune system up prior to traveling, one, I tell people to sleep. Don't stay up all night packing, getting ready for things. You wear yourself out. If you have inadequate sleep, you increase your stress and decrease your immune system. Get adequate sleep, get adequate hydration in your body. That helps with your immune system. If you want to take your vitamins, most people should be taking multivitamins because unfortunately our food um, does not supply it all. And of course, consult your doctor if you have any chronic problems. During it, um, sleep, same thing, sleep, hydration, reduce your stress, relax. Um, those things will boost your immune system. Uh, there's other things people are taking like vitamin, high vitamin C. Yeah. You can if you're not, but that's up to you. Vitamin C can really actually cause gut problems too. It, it causes diarrhea and cause gastritis. So that's up to you. And once again, you should consult your doctor about adding supplements. Did that answer your question? Yeah, because you hear all these stories circulating, especially online, about, oh, this food will prevent you from getting this or that <laughs> and all that sort of thing. So it leads to a lot of confusion. Yeah. yeah. So the, the bad thing is that um, whenever good information is out there, it, it, you don't hear about it. But as soon as somebody says something that's stupid, then everybody starts talking about it. And then there are some people that go, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. So I, I think that's probably one of the, the problems um, that we have. So I wanna go back to St. Croix for a little bit. So what, is, what are they, and, and just so you guys know, as a US citizen, you don't need a passport to get to St. Croix, you just need an ID. That they look for you in a database. And, I had gone once and they looked up, I think it might have been Puerto Rico, they, um, or it might have been St. Croix. They looked up the database and she goes, um, you're not in here. I actually had my passport. But she goes, um, you're not in here because she's using my driver's license. And then I, she goes, yeah, I mean, you should be. You have your driver's license, but you're not. And so she, I go, well, can you just try the passport? So she tried the passport. And um, the passport came up. And she goes, I don't understand why I couldn't find you before. But when I got my passport, I actually have a space in my last name on the passport between the C mm -hmm. and the K. And so because of that, they, they couldn't find me in the system. But you don't need the passport. You just need uh, an identification that they'll check. So it's very easy to go to St. Croix and St. Thomas and the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. John's as well. Um, but what are the requirements now to get into St. Croix? The requirements is having a covid a 19 test that is negative within 72 hours of you landing. So um, when you um, land, you actually, the process is now slow because as you go through the passageway to go to baggage claim, they stop you, you fill out a health certification test. Have you been exposed? Have you been around anyone? Blah, blah, blah. And then they request for you to show the negative test, either on your phone or print it out. I tell people to print it out um, so they can have it. 
Also, um, well, the hospital usually provide housing, but for a few days I had to actually get a hotel because I was waiting for the previous doctor to move out. <laughs> and I actually had to stay in a hotel and the hotel required it too since they were only taking essential workers. So the hotel is like, do you have your copy of your negative test? And then they made a copy, it put it on my file and they had to do that. So, um, so yeah. is this across all the US Virgin Islands or is it island specific? Like if I went to St. Thomas, would I have to do the same yes. thing for Puerto yes. Rico? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So that's, yes. so that's um, standardized. Yeah, yes. well, that's what that means. Uh, well, well, US, yeah, St. Thomas, St. Joe, US Virgin Islands have the same governor, so all rules apply for them. The and then Puerto Rico, and they just combined with Puerto Rico, they all decided to do the same thing together at the same date. Okay. Which, which, which makes sense. Um, I did have a question that was related to, to that, and it slipped me now. But okay. Krisha, I know you have one, go. So <laughs> regarding these tests, um, how reliable, again, are they? Now, I know, I, I realize that um, this is a new virus, so it takes a while for tests to be standardized, but um, how reliable are they? Like well, you hear all these different percentages, like there's 60%, 70%, 80% reliable. First of all, they're only reliable as the, the test taker. I'm, yeah. I'm going to start off right there, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, there, so um, there's, there's different tests. There's what we call the PCR test, and they use that nasal swab. The PCR test is what most people require, and that's another thing. When you land here, they say they want to know if it's a PCR test versus a rapid test, because a rapid test is an antigen, which means things are floating around in the blood, and it may pick it or not where PCR is a more specific test, very specific to COVID. And you have the nasal swab. So when I say the tester, uh, a lot of people are doing self-tests. So when you're doing a nasal swab, you have to put it up your nose. You're not going to shove it that far up on yourself. Mm. So that's why I prefer other people to do the test where they really need to get up to the nose, like up here, part of the nostril, where because sometimes the virus is not living here, it's living up here. And that's why it has to go so far up. Um, second of all, I tell people that if you are exposed, you need to wait five to seven days before you have that test. So if I was with the friends and some friends came back, so if I had dinner with them, say on Sunday, and they came back and say, guess what, I'm COVID positive. And I go, oh no, I need to be tested. But it's only Wednesday, it really won't, really circulate in me if I've been exposed until five to seven days. So I need to wait five to seven days after exposure to get a more adequate test to, for to be whether positive or negative. But you still recommend the 14-day quarantine if you are positive? So that's... Um, or potentially positive. Potentially, potentially. So when I leave here, <clears throat> so because I'm around patients, whether I was around COVID positive or negative, or, you know, not knowing when I leave here, when I go home, I stay in my, um, my house for 14 days. Or I, or I mm. wait a week and take a test before I'm around my family. Because um, mm. I, I live by myself, which is, which is great. But so I'll either wait seven days and take a test, uh, which is another two days, and get a negative. Or I just stay, seven, uh, stay in my house for 14 days, have grocery delivered. If I'm not showing symptoms, then um, I feel comfortable going around other people. 
Okay. Uh, that's good. Because one of the things was like, um, <clears throat> my mother keeps calling me up and she goes, so when are you coming? How are the flights looking? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, mom, I don't, soon. <laughs> yeah, I heard Jamaica, um, there, there are some people that have gone to Jamaica and I think Jamaica is one of the airports that has the COVID test on site. Yeah. So if you answer, you have to answer the questionnaire, if they get suspicious, you either have to take the COVID test or they tell you a quarantine for 14 days. Gotcha. Well, my, my mom is actually here, here in the U.S. Oh, okay. I have to travel to see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, have no. you thought about driving? Well, that's what I was thinking about renting a car. And, uh, and then I was like, eh, I don't know about the car thing. <laughs> okay. So I did visit some family, um, like in, um, early or uh, late May. Uh, I had been home for two months myself. I had been home for two months just because I saw patients in March and then most of my assignments actually. So this, this has affected doctors too. So especially in the locals. So all my assignments in April and May was canceled. So I was not working because the jobs were canceled. So come mid-May, um, I decided to go to Washington, D.C. to help a family member out with her small children. And I had been in the house for two months, so a pre- almost two months, like seven weeks. So I had been in the house, you know, having grocery delivered. I wasn't out shopping or anything. So, and I wasn't experiencing symptoms. So I got in my car. So unfortunately, I did not have to rent a car. I got in my car and drove to Washington, D.C., which is a 10-hour drive, and I did not encounter anyone. I packed my, I did old school. I packed my food in a cooler. I had water. Um, I had, um, I stopped for gas once and used my gloves, and I had my mask, and unfortunately, I'm a healthcare worker, ER doctor. I can go 10 hours without going to the bathroom. <laughs> I was about to ask you that. So, and I got I just, there and, you know, and when I got there, I immediately changed my clothes. Even though I had been on, in my car, I was still outside. I changed my clothes, took a shower and washed my hands. And then I was able to, you know, be That's good. I think I'm going to do a drive-by. Okay. <laughs> I said I'm going to do a drive-by. Go, hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> But no, so, this, is, this is really good information. Kisha, go ahead. I wanted to ask you about this vaccine. Now, traditionally, vaccines have taken forever to be certified. Now that there is almost no trust left in what is left of our government, <laughs> um, I don't want to get any further into that. But would you, and, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, would you trust this vaccine that is coming, supposedly coming out end of this year, early next year? Interesting. Uh, I, I have discussed this a lot with my healthcare workers because I think healthcare workers would be the first ones that- That's right, they would know. To take it. Yes. Uh, I actually had signed up for one of the vaccine trial studies and that was the one that was stopped. So I did not get to participate in it because actually it stopped even before they announced it stopped. <laughs> so they called me like, oh, we're not taking any more, unfortunately, even though you're scheduled to take it. I was like, okay, that's good to know. Um, it's, it's very contentious. It's plus or minus. Uh, yeah. Do I trust the process right now? No, I don't. I don't trust the process. Yeah. yeah I trust the companies. So you have uh, Moderna, you have Pfizer, you have AstraZeneca. 
I trust those companies. I do trust their companies. I do think they're meticulously working on making an effective vaccine. Now, shortcutting, now, shortcutting the studies, no, do not shortcut the studies. It must, you know, one of them had like 30,000 people in phase three, <laughs> which is good. And it's good to know that, but I think they need more time to see the results. So if you just gave it to them in September and then you want to roll out the vaccine in October and November, that's only two months. You need a good six months for side effects yep. to happen. You do. Yep. So, um, this has what, never, ever been done before. I mean, yes, yeah. there have been tremendous advantages in medical technology. Yeah. But there are certain things that time is the best um, judge of. Yeah. Uh, so are, uh, there, are there anything that has been done outside the U.S. in terms of, I'm sure there are, but are there anything that's that leading? Um, I, I think the Moderna one was done in the U.K., um, which um, is actually leading more. Okay. Uh, than the um, Pfizer one. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think someone told me the Moderna one in UK is more advanced right now. So I probably would trust them more. Now, the, of course, we know the, the Russian one. Um, and, but they're just starting to actually probably do phase two, phase three subjects on it. So they made the vaccine. They say, hey, it's ready but there was no subjects to it. Now, believe it or not, I have a, a source way back where that Cuba has made one. Uh -huh. Now, people should not shortchange Cuba. Everyone not at has, all. Everyone has their thoughts about Cuba politically, but when it comes to medical advances, mm -hmm. um, Cuba is out there with medical advances. So One I of their biggest exports, I believe. Yeah, they yeah. really are because I know that they've helped uh, Jamaica a lot throughout the yeah. years. Um, so yeah, Cuba, Cuba is actually quite good with that. I hear but, they have one out there. I don't know where they are in trial, but I hear they have definitely produced one and working on it. So, so okay. short of short of a vaccine, um, is there is anything being developed to like you know like when you get the flu, like, okay, fine, you can take Terraflu. It's not, it's not a vaccine, right? But it's just a medicine. Is there any kind of medicine being developed to mitigate a full-blown COVID as opposed to just having it for a day or two? I don't know. No, because every, the pro problem is everyone's system is different and it's affecting them. And the people that really are affecting it, you know, it's even affecting people that don't have previous exist, um, conditions, but it's really the lungs. And now they're even finding out that people that's had it and recovering, it's affecting the nervous system. So it's almost on the, um, like, zoster herpes live in the nervous system, uh, you know, because you can have chicken pox and then years later it shows up as zoster. That's because it actually lived in the nervous system dormant for years. We're wondering if this virus is also because people are still having neurological, whether memory or coordination, they're having problems afterwards even if they recovered from the severe symptoms of the COVID. Now I will say because of the precautions, the cleaning and mask wearing, and you know, people keep saying the flu season is coming up, the flu season is coming up. Maybe and hopefully since people are using the precautions that stop the flu, like washing your hands, not breathing <laughs> on people, staying home when you're sick, yeah. hopefully the flu season won't be as drastic as we think. 
okay, that makes that makes sense. Okay, so speaking of flu, but you're a medical professional, so I probably can't even ask you this question. <laughs> flu shot, no flu shot. Yes, flu shot. Please get your flu shot. Please get it early. Um, a lot of people are giving the flu shot now. Uh, don't wait to October and November. Get it now because. When you get the flu vaccine, uh, it takes three to four weeks for those antibodies or the things that's gonna fight the, fight the flu to build up in your body. So if you get it now, you know, you probably would cover, be covered in mid-October. But if you get it now and explode, and we've had flu positive already, okay? So if you get it now and you're exposed to the flu next week, it, you, you might not have enough antibodies to actually fight off the flu and you may get it. So we're suggesting people to get the flu vaccine early, which is now. Gotcha. All right, you, you, you heard it here first. <laughs> Kisha, do you have anything else? Um, <laughs> no, not really. So, so you know what's funny? He's the one that told me that we were gonna be long, right? <laughs> I'm actually keeping an eye on time. Uh, that's okay, I know you have an, an, another question, so let's No. I, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Kusha thought a question, which is very rare. So Yvette, um, what else do you have to tell us? Uh, anything else you want to tell us before we go? Uh, well, this was great. And I just hope people, you know, um, just take um, precautions, wash your hands. Don't, if you're out um, in public, don't touch your face with your hands. Um, please wear a mask. But the mask not only protects you, it protects other people, and it protects us healthcare workers. We're out there working and exposing us and our family to keep people safe. So keep us safe by you wearing the mask. And that's what I say. All right, very cool. So where can we and don't find eat you? wild animals? <laughs> <laughs> eat them. <laughs> well, you know that's going to happen anyway, right? Uh, it's all those yes. hunters out there. Um, it's it's uh, the, the exotic travel foods, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us where uh, we can find you on social media and give us your URL again and tell us if we need to tell the medicine, how we can get in touch with you. Okay. So um, I am, once again, Yvette McQueen, MD. You can find me. My website is YvetteMcQueenMD.com. I'm on all social media at YvetteMcQueenMD. And actually, I have a freebie. If you, you, know, if you I give uh, traveling during the pandemic, uh, you can download that at healthytraveltips.com. That's healthytraveltips.com. And you can get a free PDF that talks about traveling during the pandemic and I update it every month uh, with the different changes. So, and also if you want the telemedicine consult, um, you can go to my website, yvettemcqueenmd.com, click on uh, schedule consult and it takes you to my calendar. Uh, very good. And uh, if, if I'd actually gave me one of those consults about my back and my back is feeling better. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, if we have nothing else, uh, Yvette, thank you ever so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, we really, really appreciate that. And uh, with that, that's a wrap for episode 33 of What's Happening in Travel. And um, uh, thank our guest again for coming on. And if you want to listen to us, we are on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're actually on all, the, on all the podcasts now. And if you've got questions, um, please send those to feedback at passrider.com. Again, thank you guys, and we'll see you uh, next time.